Man, this is uh, a very, very amazing time since the last time we talked. Mm. Um, I, I think the last time, it had to be about this time last year. It was about a year ago, yeah. There was a lot going on at that time, man. A lot mm -hmm. of good, a lot of bad. Mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of things that got pushed back. Yeah. Because of, of personal reasons and family issues and illnesses and stuff like that that really kind of put a damper on, on what we wanted to do. But then here we are a year later and we pretty much hold all control over those projects now. And we have like so many different avenues that we can go down. Like uh, the privilege of, of being involved with Netflix Mm. And and actually bringing Jet Boy to Netflix through not just you know the pitch and everything for the animation and all that stuff and that process, we were able to give Jet Boy to Netflix in an entirely different way as of last week. Oh wow! Um, Jet Boy will be featured in season two of Outer Banks. Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah, yeah. I had the privilege yeah, yeah. of wow. uh, dealing with uh, the set designers uh, and, and some of the fine folks involved in the production. Um, you know, shout out to to Outer Bank, shout out to Stacy and then all those guys down there that, that made it possible and, and um, yeah, like there's Jet Boy is actually going to be in a few scenes, like the the comic books. Mm -hmm. So, and it was it was pretty cool how they did it. One of the main characters are they're gonna have like uh, the Jet Boy comic books in their room, and you'll be able to see them on full display. Oh, cool! cool. Um, yeah. There's a pharmacy scene where you see like the rack of comic books, like the old school rack. Yeah. And you'll see Lion's Den, Shadow Club, Jet Boy. Shut up. So not only did Jet Boy make <laughs> it there, up. the entire Rock Bottom Studios catalog yeah. made wow. it to our Shut up. And it's crazy. And, and on top of being in production on the animation for Shadow Club and, um, and, and Jet Boy right now, um, there's so much, so much stuff. I'll show you some of the storyboards and everything that you know I'm allowed to to, mm -hmm. to show but we're, we're like in the middle of production for both Shadow Club and Jet Boy right now as far as the animated series go yeah um, we're gonna do an animated short of uh, Shadow Club and we're gonna be given five minute Jet Boy animation to the world next month wow yeah actually on my birthday Oh, wow. We're doing a Rock Bottom Studios weekend at www.rockbottomstudios.com. That's ROC without the K. That whole weekend is going to be filled with content on every project that we're working on. And yes, David is involved in that weekend. He oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He will be there because he is the voice of the creature from the Black Lagoon. 
I'm not saying that I've been like in the shower practicing different voices <laughs> and trying to figure out what my tack is going to be if he's going to have an accent or whatever. I'm not saying that that has been happening yes. on my own. <laughs> but word on the street is I might be involved. In. But yes, don't let him downplay anything. He is the voice of the creature from the Black Lagoon from yeah. Shadow Club Karma. I did see the one, I remember the one still you put out. That's maybe a few weeks ago of mm-hmm. uh, from Shadow Club. Uh-huh. Uh, like uh, I, I, was that Jack the Ripper? At the top hat. Yeah. Yeah, that was Dracula. Dracula. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh crap! I didn't recognize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that looks really, really good. That was Charles yeah. Correa. Shout yeah. out to Charles, man. He yeah. did the the uh, preliminary uh, designs for that particular Shadow Club story, Mm. that story is actually telling how they came together. Um, Dracula, the Wolfman, Creature from Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Mm -hmm. Mummy, all all those guys, how they came together as a unit and they came together to stop um, Jack the Ripper. Who's yeah. pretty much possessed by the devil well, yeah, in that yeah. story. So. so it's like this real like Penny Royal like style, which is right up my alley. Let right. me tell you, I love anything to do with the classic <laughs> Universal monsters. Yes. I'm sorry I had to bang on the table. But like, <laughs> I mean, no, no, the Monster Squad is literally one of my top like five favorite horror yes. movies of all time. I, anything that that puts the, that crowd together, I will eat it up yes. in a second. And that's why I was so excited when like this was happening there because I'm like, yeah, this, I love that so much. I'm like, oh god. Yeah. I even had my own idea, like my own pitch, I've been working on forever for like something that would put the, all. The, it's nothing like Shadow Coke Armor, but it's like an idea that would put all those guys together. Yeah, but. Yeah. Like, oh man, I love that so much. The funny, yeah. the funny thing, I don't yeah. think we ever talked about yeah. how that idea came, the Shadow Club idea. We never, I was going to ask you, I was going to get to that. Uh, I, I got a few questions about all of it, yeah. Okay. But, uh, but I, yeah, go ahead. I've been working on Shadow Club about as long as I've been working on Jet Boy. Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah, like yeah. There, there's been like Shadow Club comics yeah. that we've been, you know, working on since then. Yeah. The concept came from, I've been looking at, at, at these Universal Monsters. I, I've always been a fan of, of the old Universal stuff. Mm-hmm. Even like the hammer stuff, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So, so looking at all of, of of these old school monsters, I was trying to figure out a way to bring them all together in my own capacity. You know, that not just like you know, because Monster Squad did their thing. Yeah. But I was just like, how can we make these guys like a superhero type thing? Mm-hmm. without it being too much Monster Squad, without it being too much League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yeah. type of deal. Yeah. How can we do this? And, and there was missing one element, and I couldn't figure it out. And there was a young lady I was dating at the time, and she introduced me to this book called The Mystery of the Crystal Skulls. This is well before Indiana Jones went and fucked that up. Yeah. <laughs> but she introduced me to this book about the Crystal Skulls and everything, and um, how they were like a legit thing and, and how nobody understood where they came from and how they were crafted, especially around that particular point in history. Like, these are legit, like, crystal skulls fully articulated and carved. And at that particular point in history, the only way that you could cut crystal like that was like maybe with a laser or something like that is how they were how it was explained you know in in the in the book in the research and 
it, 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 you know, just reading about it, and, and they were just like, well, they found these skulls all over the place. They found one in one part of the world, they found another one in the other part of the world. There's a clouded region in the, in the skull that is like the equivalent of a Pentium processor in a computer. There's information stored in there. There's one at the Smithsonian and, and all that stuff. And so I started researching these skulls and everything. And so it, it dawned on me, like during that research, I was like, this is the element that was missing to bring these guys together. Hmm. Each one of these guys have, uh, they have these crystal skulls that the ascendant, you know, the ascendant masters have placed information inside of, or maybe their house, their spirits when they went on to the next uh, plateau in life, and all of these things. And, and the story goes that there are 13 skulls in existence, but there are only uh, maybe a few that have actually been found. And like I said, there's one in the Smithsonian. And um, there's one that they called like the Skull of Doom, which I use in the story. Um, I think it's called the Vincent Hedges Skull um, that um, it was either found in England or the person who found it found it someplace and he's from England. It's supposed to be like the representation of pure evil. So I'm just like, oh man, are you serious? So mm -hmm. what if, what if, if there are 13 skulls in existence, like what if each one has a purpose? That's where I incorporated in the story, like Dracula has the skull of righteousness. He's been redeemed for all of his past crimes and everything, mm -hmm. so now he walks a righteous path. He's kind of like Cain oh. in Kung Fu. Yeah. You know what I mean? So <laughs> is he, I'm sorry, is he Ron, Ron Marsh? Who's Ron Marsh doing? Ron is he Marsh, Wolfman? Marsh is uh, Frankenstein. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Ron, yeah. Ron Marsh is Frankenstein. Okay. So who's Dracula then? We'll get to one at, one at a time. My buddy Joel is um, Dracula. Ron Marsh is a local legend, by the way. Oh, he yes. Know. He's, he's amazing. I, I met him. Well, I guess we both. Did you meet him at DMC? Is that how you met him? We both met him at the same time. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He worked with us at DMC. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, for you guys who don't know, uh, if you're not local, he's a local radio legend, basically. Yeah. He's <laughs> big shot at Clear, Chan uh, Clear Channel, and he, uh, he does a lot of local commercials on the radio. Oh, yeah. You turn on the radio at any given time in Columbia, if you drive <laughs> around, you can hear Ron Marsh's voice. Yes. Uh, I actually uh, interviewed for a job at Clear Channel with oh, him. Yeah. He, he would have been my boss had I got the job no ron's great ron's yeah, he's, yeah. he's a cool guy yeah ron ron is frankenstein and he's dark sprocket and jet boy so oh wow yeah, yeah. so he, he's crossing both both uh both both projects yeah. and everything so ron does vo for a lot of christmas movies yeah, yeah I, like his, I, yeah. his trailers and stuff yeah i just saw where he so, just did something new for him i hadn't heard it yeah, yet yeah. but yeah I, I saw the like uh chris uh bickle shared this thing saying ron marsh is the king of, of voiceover yeah he is he's rad yeah. yeah ron's all right he is man yeah, he yeah, is yeah. and, and I, I was lucky enough to to have him um have him on board and that was the, the the missing the missing link in bringing these guys together so i'm just like yeah so each each member of the group will have a skull. Dracula has the skull of righteousness. So, and each one has like something about them that is so far removed from their character that you know them as. Like Frankenstein has the skull of knowledge, therefore he's the genius of the crew. Mm -hmm. um, Creature from the Black Lagoon has the skull of, of uh, time and space. 
So he like regulates time travel and everything. And uh, Skull of War is um, the Wolfman. So he's like the Wolverine of the Nice. Um, uh, the Skull of Witchcraft, of course, is the, the Bride of Frankenstein. Mm. And oh, I can't wait! My, uh, I have a poster of the Bride of Frankenstein in my in my living room. Oh yeah, the the, the one where she's got the the pentagram. Uh, uh, no, it's just it's just uh, she's just there. Oh yeah, she the old like, school with it's the, from like yeah. from here up. Oh yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So and, uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I, that's gonna be my literally I think ever I might do it this year. Yeah. Maybe maybe after I save us money because my birthday is obviously coming up. I keep saying for a birthday I'm going to do it, but that might be my first tattoo. Oh really? I don't have any tattoos at all. Oh man, that was so. Awesome. I think maybe like in my arm right here. Like oh my, sweet. My forearm. I'm going to be bright. I, I want what I want is Brian Frankenstein on one and Elvira on the other. Oh man, that would be. Yeah. Oh man, that's, that's to kick it off. So fit. And then I have ideas for like five more. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, that would be my first two. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I'm getting older, you know. Like, I'm like how am I doing now? When am I gonna do it? You know. Right. Right. I'm like, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. And, and it's crazy because, like, you know, just, just, um, just, just giving those examples, and, yeah. and they're like, they're fighting for God's army now. So yeah. it's just like they've been nice. redeemed. So like there's the final battle of heaven and hell going on, which is basically the premise of the story. Mm -hmm. And it takes place on December uh, 21st um, uh, in uh, 2012, which is, you know, the oh. last date of the Mayan calendar and mm -hmm. everything. And it tells the story of, you know, why like either the world did end or didn't end. So mm -hmm. that's where that story takes place. But it, I mean, it, I mean, there's so many different Shadow Club stories. It, I mean, the initial story was part of a trilogy, and that one was the one that kicked it off. And then the second set had something to do with Cthulhu. So I, I ain't going to get too deep into that. I keep him. I'm going to have to believe out so much. <laughs> it's just that this has got me. It's like everything that I love <laughs> and excited about going into a project. Yes. You're putting the Universal Monsters together, and then you're bringing in goddamn Lovecraft into it. <laughs> Yeah, and that it's was... It's like, is, is, is that, Chrissy Garicci coming to the set? <laughs> is Michael Keaton going to hang out oh, with us? Or are you just trying to get me excited now? Like, <laughs> is Clyde Barker going to show up? No, like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, but it, it was like, initially it was supposed to be a trilogy. The first one was going to kick off... Uh, on you know doomsday the whole thing um the second one was related to cthulhu and his relationship to the creature of the black lagoon and how they're connected to atlantis yes. and there was yes. this, and like in the like in the back of the back story is that there was this big war between atlantis and ancient egypt that nobody knew about mm -hmm. and, you know that caused the fall of atlantis and, and the the third one was uh, to do with the Antichrist with Damien. Oh wow! And how the there's a uh, the vampire nation um, because uh, Dracula kind of switched sides. They put a bounty on him, mm -hmm. so he's kind of like Han Solo and Jabba the Hutt. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like so that that was that was, it was initially just supposed to be these three stories. Um, and it just kind of grew into this thing, and I, I have all these spinoffs now, and there's a prequel. And, and 
Yeah. Well, you've, you, you've created a world. Yeah. You know, I mean, you built a world around this. Yeah. So, I mean, the possibilities are endless at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, every one of them could have backstories. Yeah. You know, so, and yeah. The animation that we're working on right now um, that, that, uh, that involves uh, Shadow Club Karma is a short film that kind of kicks off that story about the uh, doomsday thing. Basically, what ended up happening was a um, hundred years before, like around what 1912, they they imprisoned Satan was imprisoned in the skull of doom, and so his uh, like his physical body was dead, but his spirit was trapped and had to be surrounded 24/7 by righteousness, so he could stay contained. Mm. And uh, the dark goddess Lilith sets him free mm. and now Shadow Club has to come back together to kind of like stop him but he's already set forth the wheels in motion mm-hmm. um, to have Hell's army go head to head with Heaven's army mm. and the final battle is going to be fought on Earth oh, wow. and that's where Shadow Club karma comes in it's kind of like the prophecy a little bit. You ever yeah. seen prophecy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is literally, and I mean literally, my favorite depiction of Satan yeah. in a movie ever was Viggo Mortensen's oh, depiction of the prophecy. Yeah, yeah. that, that is my personal favorite one. Yeah, yeah. and and that's the the thing about it is like Satan is released, his spirit is released, but he has to find a host. He has to find a host body to mm-hmm. inhabit to come back in, mm-hmm. in the physical form, and. Um, he finds that with a guy named Fritz Barton mm-hmm. in the story. And if you know the Barton name and Creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. if you've seen Creature from the Black Lagoon, mm-hmm. the old school, yeah. you'll understand where the name came from. I met uh, him, I, and now I'm really embarrassed because I can't remember his name now, but the original actor who played him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, of course, he's old now, uh, but he, uh, yeah. he does cons. And uh, a few Mad Monster parties ago, I don't know, a few years ago, because I go to yeah. them almost every year. Um, he was there, you know. He, he does the con circuit, and so yeah. I got to talk, have a really nice talk with him. And yeah. and that was around the time, and he got a big kick out of this. That was around the time of um, there was this video circulating on YouTube mm-hmm. of somebody had done this cut of him, uh, like it's just a cut of the creature walking around knocking stuff over, <laughs> and just knocking, yeah, did you see that, that one? Yeah. Or he's like, at this, at this thing, yeah, F also at this, and this, this somewhat. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so he had not seen that, and I showed it to him, and he got the biggest laugh out of it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we got a big kick out of that. It was cool. Oh, yeah. It was cool little moment I got to have with him. Yeah. That was and amazing. I, I feel bad that I can't remember his name at the top of that. <laughs> I'm playing the guy. <laughs> like, I can't remember his name. But, yeah. but yeah, that, but that's, that's just the, the gist yeah. of the story. And there's, like I said, there's so many spinoffs. There's, uh, um, brides that's coming about the brides of Dracula. See, that could be, I love that concept. Yeah. That's the thing, is that like, I mean, in any depiction of Dracula, almost any depiction, they show up in some way. Yes. And I've always felt that that is a backstory. Right, and and, and what we've got planned is like a whole Thelma and Louise type of thing, but just with all three of the brides. Yes, yes. Yeah, and and they're like, they find out about the hit that the Vampire Nation put on Dracula, and they're just like, nah, they're like riding for Dracula. Mm. They're just like, yeah, we're, we got to put a stop to this. So that's pretty much what this story is about. Um, The production is going to be like, from the animation design, from the writing to the music, is going to be all women creators involved in it. Mm. Um, Actually, the the testing ground for that is the Shadow Club short that we're doing now 
that we're, we're, the production is, you know, all women. Like for what nice. we're doing right now, and yeah. uh, that that actually was uh, I, I talked to uh, my buddy Matt White over at Boom Animation. Shout out to Matt and and Josh and all those guys. Um, that was uh, pretty much his brainchild to have the production of the Shadow Club animation that we're working on now be all women, and I was just like, man, that is brilliant, and I'm thinking that that is mm -hmm. exactly because the idea I wanted that to be the uh, foundation of brides because I wanted brides to be just all women mm -hmm. but Matt is like he kind of beat me to the punch he was just like yeah let's do this for Shadow Club and I was just like yeah so so I talked to my friend Brindy um, she's actually voicing uh, the Bride of Frankenstein shout out to Brindy and she's um, I, I approached her about uh, some writing and everything on the project and We've got uh, Nika um, and Jesse, who are two animators that I work with. Uh, very talented women. Like these women are. are wow. Matter of fact, we we had a meeting, an animation meeting, the other night, and I looked at some of the concept art that they were doing for Shadow Club. Mm -hmm. I'll put it this way. Man, did they do your character justice. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, if it's anything like the one we were talking about earlier, yeah, that one image I saw, like, this is oh, pretty no, amazing. No, yeah. no, this is. Yeah. You hadn't seen this. Nice. They yeah. showed it to me. No pressure or anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I completely blow this. That's all. <laughs> Every element yeah. of what I wanted that character to be was represented in yeah. his design. Yeah. Man, these these women did a fantastic job. I I am so honored and privileged to be working alongside of them because they did such a fantastic job on these designs. Like you, like if you if you thought the designs that you saw yeah. for the other Channel Club stuff, with, yeah. you ain't seen nothing yet. Nice, nice. This is amazing. I saw the yeah. the designs. Uh, uh, what they show me. Uh, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, Bride of Frankenstein, and the Dracula designs. And and they did a bang-up job. They were just phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're in the um, pre-production, or I should say, like, the, the character uh, the design aspect of what we're doing with this particular short um, since we were kind of just starting this guy from scratch. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, this is, this is going to be amazing. This is actually going to cover the events that lead up to the first story in the Shadow Club Karma Saga about how Satan escapes from the skeleton. Mm -hmm. So this short is just going to cover Dracula's point of view from that and it's going to be him and the brides and then there's going to be a flashback sequence um, as to how they trapped his spirit into the skull mm. so yeah it's 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 going to be an amazing amazing thing so nice. so yeah I'm, I'm yeah scripts are going out next week so I'm checking the email <laughs> oh, so jazzed. I can't, I'm like I'm jazzed not even, not even 
even just because like I'm involved, but also because like as a fan. Yeah. Like I'm just jazz as a fan. Yeah. Like forget about what I'm doing. Like, I just want to see the damn thing. You know. Uh, I mean, just everything you're saying is just like getting me jazz because you're, you're, it's just so much of it's like right at my alley. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. you're talking about Universal Monsters. You're talking about Lovecraft. You're about horror. Yeah. I mean, this is everything's up my street. You know, it's like it. Yeah. It's just so much of the things I'm passionate about already. And the, and the um, production is on the animation is is mm-hmm. bang up because I uh, working alongside uh, Matt and uh and josh and um of course mike sofo like i I told you about mike he's uh he did the work on the gorillas videos and such yeah and you know he's only hanging out with people who work on the gorillas (laughs) that's all i'm clout chasing at the moment i'm I'm just name dropping for he's only like personal friends with like jamie hewitt and all that <laughs> but no. Now, have you actually ever met Jamie Hewitt or, or do you know any, any no, connection? No, about? actually, okay, I, yeah. I, and I've always been a fan of Hewitt's work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I envy Mike because he's just like, yeah, man, like he's he's been working on something that mm-hmm. is like the brainchild of yeah. of of Jamie's. But but we're all um, putting this thing together, man. You and I both know Chad Bowers. Yeah. Oh yeah, Chad. Um, Chad and I go way back. Yeah, uh, I worked with Chad at Heroes and Dragons. Oh, in yeah, the yeah. early 2000s. That was I, how I met him. I yeah. remember. Stand-up guy. I mean, it's just like you. was like, I don't have a bad thing to say about Chad. I, and I, I love to see, like, that you, both you and him and also Chris Sims. Yeah. Who, yeah, I, yeah, who yeah. we also worked with there. That's yeah. how I initially met him. Yeah. How the three of you guys, I'm so jealous. The like, three of <laughs> you guys have, like, developed careers in comics that I was not able to develop. The fact that, like, the hometown <laughs> heroes have made it well. You know, I mean, Chad straight up just working with Rob Liefeld right now. Right, right. And I was actually, by the way, um, side note, as I was driving down here from from the upstate, it's about an hour and a half drive, yeah. I was listening to Rob Liefeld's podcast, oh, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. called Rob Observations, which I like highly recommend if you guys want something to listen to. I never knew about that. Man. Yeah, Thank it's fairly new. He only started like in May. Right, right. So he's only just been doing it since then. Uh, but about once a week, he uploads an episode. And I, and I just discovered it. Uh-huh. I actually discovered it through... Um, we're Rocket Ajax, which is Chris uh, Sims's podcast. Right, right. Yeah, I knew about that. Chris Sims, which he does with uh, Matt Wilson, uh-huh. and uh, I'm I'm a long time listener to that. I've been listening to that for a few years, yeah. and uh, I listen to it every every week. And uh-huh. so they they do a thing every a segment every week where they do like Rex called Checks and Rex, where they like recommend a new thing every week. Right. And so they recommended that, and uh-huh. so I'd never heard of it. And that's how Nick got turned me on to it. Speaking of Chad, shout out to Chad. I've known Chad about as long as in, in, in the same capacity. I, I met him at. at uh, Heroes, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I know he's talked about this to a few people, but when you see him again, mm-hmm. ask him about his pitch or idea for the Inhumanoids. Really? Ask him about it. Nice. Yeah. I ain't gonna say anything about it, but just yeah. ask him about it. Yeah, like, the only time I've ever seen face to face now is like cons, you know. Like yeah. Last con, I, we were all hanging I, out. Yeah, because I, I think that's yeah. that's that's how it is with a lot of us now, yeah. man. Because it's it's like work now, you know. Mm, yeah. 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 So, but yeah, but that's that's Shadow Club, man. Shadow Club. We're in production on um, the short. We will have Jet Boy stuff coming next month. So everybody can see what we've been working on, man. I am so excited. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I am wait. so excited. Our mutual first speaking of voices. Our mutual friend uh, Jen um, Jen, Jen Snyder, Snyder. Is, is doing a voice. Yeah. Shout out to Jen. Yeah. I can't Jen's say right. that's another person I can't say enough nice things about. Yeah, yeah. Jen is a, an amazing soul, an amazing person. Mm. And I'm I'm so 
happy that that she is is taking this ride with us, man. She's yeah. she is lunch lady Rita <laughs> on on Jet Boy, mm. and she's like the weapons expert. So it's appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She and I go way back. I know Jen since yeah early two thousands. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Twenty years now. Yeah. 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 It, Jen is an amazing person, and mm. I'm I'm so happy that she's a part of this too. Mm. So. But um, but yeah, man, like uh, Crush Rush, shout out to Crush because he nailed it. He is the voice of Jet Boy. Wow. Yeah, so, so yeah. he's he's on there. I, I I initially had him doing the janitor's voice, Joe the janitor, because Joe is very he's a very important part of the story, and and that was going through the story and and and, and going through a lot of the things and the development of it, and and it, it turned out that where we were going with some of the, the voices as far as Jet Boy was going. I, I wasn't 100%. I was racking my brain and beating my head against the wall on where I should go. And I was like, Crush, he has the history. Mm-hmm. You know, he, 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 he's done it, you know, and, and I, I heard what he can do. Like just us messing around, like in, in like talking and, and and everything and him sending me like these little voice edits and stuff and, and I'm just like there is absolutely no reason that this kid should not be Jet Boy. Are you into vinyl at all? I love vinyl. Yeah. My love for vinyl actually started in that house I mentioned with my brother and everything because mm. um, my brother Rick, the one I, I mentioned before, he would spend his allowance on vinyl and animal crackers. <laughs> Which is <laughs> which is crazy to get that. Like I would, yeah. I, I, so so my introduction to the world of vinyl started with him. Um, Commodores, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Prince, um, pretty much everything um, vinyl. He still has those albums to this day. The originals, from nice. him. Yeah. and um, yeah. But I mean, there was just just the, the sound that it would make, you know. Mm. The sounds that you get from it, where the, where the needle drops it, and yeah, you oh yeah, the you can't replicate that. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, duplicate yeah. that, and, and it's just it, and it sparks that sense of nostalgia. You know what mm. I mean? Like living in that era where you had that. You know, you're just trying. <laughs> you're still in the era of like eight tracks. <laughs> oh yeah, like you kids miss out on eight tracks, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> my dad, let me tell you, my mom. I was a really kid. My mom had a nineteen seventy Ford Maverick. <laughs> that was uh, baby blue, uh-huh. and it had an eight track player in it that my dad installed. Uh-huh. And I remember, I remember driving around listening to eight tracks and that thing, and like going to my cousin's house because he also had a stereo that had an eight track player in. Yeah, and we used to listen to eight tracks all the time. Man, you kids don't even know anything. You don't know nothing about no eight tracks. <laughs> <laughs> you millennials, you know anything about getting a cassette single? Yeah, you don't know about the eight tracks <laughs> where you don't have a pause or rewind. exactly. You, you can fast there. forward maybe. Right, right. About you, it. you have to sit there and listen to the whole thing play around. I remember listening to John, a Johnny Cash eight track. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah, but that my love for my, my love for music in general just came from that era from from my brother and everything. So it yeah, he he introduced me into the world of vinyl and mm. it's you know it, it, it's it, it's something that I hold dear dear to me and everything. So he, and his collection of vinyl is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. From the time that I was a kid, and he started, you know, he's been collecting ever since. So. 
There's just so much nostalgia active in that. Well, like you said, you drop that needle, yeah. you start hearing the scratches and pops, it just takes you right back. Yeah. It takes you right back. My, my grandfather was a huge uh, uh, Bing Crosby fan. Love Bing Crosby. Yeah, yeah. And I remember listening to a lot in his house, and like I've got uh, the Bing Crosby Christmas album. Uh-huh. Anyway, I, I, man, I will get into a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> and let me tell you something. <laughs> if Winnie Cooper, if Donica McKellar <laughs> moves into a new town, into her old hometown, hometown, and she's lost her Christmas spirit, and she reconnects... <laughs> With her old boyfriend or the hunky guy selling Christmas trees, I need to know if Winnie Cooper is going to be able to save the goddamn bakery before Christmas. <laughs> I will get wrapped up in that shit. Like 20 minutes in, I'm in this thing for the hour, next hour and a half. That's it. I need to know how this is going to end. In, in this town of full of nothing but 30 something white people <laughs> wearing sweaters. <laughs> Like, I swear, not. I think they all take place in the same town. Like, go, where is this town? <laughs> it's all like New England. It's like yeah, if, New right, England, right. if New England became a movie. Yeah. yeah. They eat those Christmas cookies. It's just Vermont, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they eat yeah. those Christmas cookies and fruitcakes and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but that, yeah, but the, so yeah. they just finally like re re not rehaul them, but they started like they just from what I understand like this year for the first time they're gonna put Jews in one. <laughs> for some reason. So we got in. Suck it, Hallmark. That's the years of sitting on the sideline. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> so where's going with that? <laughs> was that despite all of that, uh-huh. I have the Bean Crosby Christmas album. Oh, sweet. And every year when I wrap presents, you better believe that bitch is putting on, he's getting on the record player. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will listen to some like Holly Jolly Christmas <laughs> as I'm wrapping Christmas presents. Because yeah. I love it. It takes me right back. It takes me right back to my grandpa's house. The first vinyl yeah. that I, I, I ever bought in my own collection in high school was the Saturday Night Fever. Yes, I've got that. I've got that too. Yeah, I've got that too. All uh, yeah. Saturday Night Fever. Is my mom had it. I took it from her house when I moved her out. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and that's, that's the weird, like the, yeah. the very little known fact about me that people may not know. I'm a huge fan of the Bee Gees. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Ain't I, a damn thing wrong with that. I love the Bee Gees. <laughs> yes. And yes. I, to, to score that, actually I got yeah. that. I think I got that from my cousin Jeff. Yeah in high school and that kind of kicked it off the one thing that i've been trying to get my hands on was the soundtrack for heavy metal on like oh is that a thing i don't i, I from what i understood yeah they did put together a soundtrack i don't know i, I think what it was was that for years they had to get licensed it was licensing stuff yeah. Involved, and I think uh, around the time that, that, of the anniversary, I think that was around ninety. It had to be like ninety something, fifteen year anniversary or something like that, where they did the re-release, and then they released wow. it on. Yeah. They released a movie on video and DVD, and mm. they had the like silver holograph yeah, cover yeah. for it. It was like the chick on the motorcycle or whatever. Yeah, no, or like, on, the, yeah. on the big bird. On the big bird, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, yeah it's, it's all fuzzy now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just remember like like boobs and sci-fi. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, <laughs> yeah and, and it's, funny, it's funny we bring that up because that's the uh, that's the tone of the Shadow Club um, animation. Nice. 
we that is we 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 had a meeting last week on what tone or, or what direction we're going to go in as far as the animation goes with uh, my head of animation uh, Matt and Matt is uh, just like we we were just sitting there like heavy metal a cross between heavy metal and uh, the Spawn animated. TV, uh, yes. TV series. That's so underrated. Yeah, yeah. We, he said the same yeah. thing. Yeah, like yeah. We, we had that conversation. It's so good. People forget that happened. For you guys who don't know, like for you kids, <laughs> I'm addressing you millennials and below, Gen, Gen Zers. <laughs> Screw the millennials. Millennials get too much attention. Gen Zers, kid, the real kids, not not you. Because the thing is, like millennials aren't even millennials anymore. Right. They got mortgages now. They got kids. <laughs> right. Like everyone's like, oh, my dad got millennials. Now, millennials are like 33 now. Right. They're not the intern at your office anymore. We're all old. <laughs> Deal with it. For you kids who don't know what we're talking about, if you weren't there in like 90. 93 oh, yeah. when when image first formed when you when young blood number 1 came out oh, if you weren't there for like yes. jim lee came out with a new x-men book <laughs> and like if you weren't there for x-men number 1 to see how yes. exciting that was you don't know shit yes these guys yeah. were the rock stars of yeah. yeah because they changed the landscape of comic books and they broke the mold of jack kirby the the, the the influence that Jack Kirby put on the industry. Like, yeah. if you bought... The, it, it, anybody who is into comics or into drawing or making comics had that book, How to Draw Comics to Marvel. They had... Uh, with Steve Buscema and, and Jack Kirby had art in that book. But if you notice the pattern, everybody had to draw like Jack Kirby yep. <laughs> to be anything in the industry. Hmm. And these were the guys who kind of said, screw that. I mean, I, I think like there were artists prior to that, like Art, art Adams and, and Michael Golden. I'm so glad he said Martin Adams. Yes. He does not get the credit he deserves. He does not. No one talks about Art Adams and right. everyone should be talking about Art Adams. Or Michael Golden. Or Parker Golden, yeah, with yeah, the Micronauts Ma and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael Golden, uh, he did the name. Remember the name? The name, the fucking name. No one ever talks about the name. Right. It's like if you were ever in a back issue bin in right. 1988 <laughs> and saw in 1990, right. you saw the name. Yeah. Like, it was all over the place. And it was crazy because yeah. the name had the, like entry. The, 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 well, they had the backstories of like Nick Fury and 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 uh, uh, Frank Castle, the Punisher. Yeah. Like they were all in Vietnam and yeah. they had their stories. Yeah. And but but Michael Golden, like he 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 put it down, man. And, and these were the guys that kind of like broke like away from that whole style that Jack Kirby laid down. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until like Liefeld and, and, and Jim Lee and, and McFarlane and Silvestri and and uh, Eric Larson and, and, and all those guys came out and, and just kind of changed that the whole look of comics, man. And, yeah. and they were like the rock stars, man. They had, they, never in the history of comics had there ever been a line mm. formed around the comic shop yeah. just to get a, a signature. If, if you weren't Stan Lee, mm -hmm. then you weren't gonna get a line that long. Yeah. And these guys got that while they were still in their prime. Yeah. I, I was still babies. Through the, the Observations uh, podcast we listened to, he was just mentioning on like episode four, I think it was listening to it. Mm -hmm. He was talking about how he had his studio yeah. when he was 24. Yeah. This is at the height of his fame. I'm talking, this is like the Lee 
Yeah. Totally button up jeans era. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when he had, he was 24. Dude yeah. was making Lee, Levi jeans ads or whatever it was, yeah. jeans ads. On, on TV and then also had a studio where he was employing 60 people uh, and had like uh, Chap Yeep and whoever and like yeah. uh, all these other guys that was doing like Brigade or whatever you know uh, he was had an entire studio with all these guys working underneath him and also was doing like you know, came out with Youngblood right. and he was making millions you know and like you could make millions being a comic artist right. at that time in the 90s because mm-hmm. it was just they were so hot yeah and people it, just didn't I mean if you weren't there you don't know how big this was right. this was like a cultural shift right. this was like comic had changed. Yeah, and, you know? and it yeah. was crazy because Liefeld yeah. had done, um, like, he was in the business since, I guess he was like 17. Yeah, yeah, he got in really young, yeah. Yeah, so so yeah. When, when, when you think about, like, how young we were, mm-hmm. how, like, professionally unpolished they were yeah. as, as far as being business savvy. Yeah. And, I mean, that, that would show later on, but they had all the talent in the world. Yeah. I mean, these guys, even their names are just iconic. And I'll stand, I'll stand up for them. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. You can give shit for it, shit about it all, but the fact it doesn't draw feet. You can talk about it. Right, like, right. You can talk about Heroes Reborn <laughs> and Captain America and his chest and all that. Uh, you can talk about all that. Okay, fine. I don't care. Right. Dude, I'll tell you what. <laughs> when, you, when you're part of, when you like basically revolutionize comics, yeah. when you create a whole new company that changes the industry. Right. And like you are a legend in yes. the industry. I'll tell you what. When you sell that many units, then you can come talk to me and make fun of somebody's feet or whatever. Like made rock yeah. star numbers yeah. Yeah. in comic books. Yeah. It was unheard of at the time. So yeah, yeah these guys are legends, man. Yeah. So you probably saw the news uh, recently in the last like day or two that um, uh, Michael B. Jordan is going to be doing a uh, Static Shock project. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Was Static Shock or Dwayne McDuffie uh, an influence on you at all? Do you want to talk about that? Well, for me... Getting into comics around that time, like late eighties, um, the like the first batch of comics that that I started collecting was um, X Men, um, Batman, Norm Brayfold. Mm, that's uh, my man. Yeah. One of my biggest blessings in my life uh-huh. is that in his later years, right before he died, I kind of became acquainted with Norm Brayfold, and yeah. he was my biggest comic book influence. Yeah, like I, I I discovered Batman in general, you know, with, with the first movie, which to this day is my favorite movie of all time. Right, and and that was happening at the same time that Burt Fergal was having his run on Batman Detective and all that. Uh huh. And uh, that was basically my foray into comics and how I discovered Batman and my whole Batman obsession kicked off. In his later years, I became friends with him on Facebook, and yeah, like we too. would we would have late night discussions, yeah. private discussions. Yeah. And there's a, a if you go to my Facebook page right now, which is super private, but if you manage to get in there. There's a, uh, what do you call an album of photos of my personal sketches that I put out. Yeah. He critiqued some of my sketches. You can oh, see comments sweet. from fucking Norm Brayfogle when oh, he's gone yeah. through. And he's like, you know, kind of gave me some like, you know, professional critiques and that. Yeah. And we would have late night discussions about fitness and about politics and stuff. Yeah. And I got to know him a little bit. And mm-hmm. I cannot be more honored than the fact that like I got to know Norm Brayfogle, one of my heroes. Yeah. Right before he died. And like, anyway, anyway go ahead. Sorry. That's, no, that's no, just, you're fine. Yeah, because so. I, I had the pre- of, uh, yeah. I did a show up in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and it is the mini con that I do up there. Shout out to my buddy John who runs that up there, by the way. I I, I went one year and found out that he was one of the featured guests. Mm-hmm. And 
I was just privileged to even share the spotlight with him. But wow. to be, to look at the work that yeah. that he put out just up close, personal, and mm. be in the same room as him yeah. was like, man, my nerd radar just went off. Like, yeah. I, I, I just lost it. Like I, I was just like I can't believe that I'm here with it. Yeah. With this guy who, who drew like arguably one of the best Batman incarnations. There's so many guys like that. Like right. people just don't get the attention they need. Right. Like Brian Steele. Have you ever fucking meet Brian Steele Freeze? Oh man. You know how yeah. fucking cool Brian Steele Freeze is? Yes. Like and how important Brian Steele Freeze is? Are you oh, kidding yeah. me? I, like dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's at every hero's cup. Yeah, and he's so nice and he's so yeah. freaking important. Like we yeah. need more Brian Steele Freezes. Yeah. And people just forget that he happened. I'm like, dude. Yeah, yeah. and Brian Steele Freeze is a, 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 a heavyweight in, in and one of my influences too, so but yeah, with with static and everything. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. Back to that. Sorry. No, no, no. It, it's, yeah. yeah. To that is a big around that time. But, but but like I was saying, around that time, like you had Batman and you had X Men, and I noticed uh, something very important. Even back then, that there was very little representation as far as people of color in comics. Mm. So um, yeah, because I mean, I, when I jumped on board with X Men. The narrative of X-Men alone is like a, a group of superpowered individuals that uh, come from specific circumstances that, uh, you know, they try to protect the society, uh, society that fears and hates them. And I was like, oh, man, that sounds weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I'm looking at this and they're like out of that whole batch at the time, there was only one black member and that was Storm. Mm. And I get into the next issue and they killed her off. I was like, God damn, I just got here. <laughs> Jesus, they just killed off the only black member of a team that is like pretty much rooted in the civil rights movement as far as the narrative goes. You know, so. But we got a Russian guy. So. Right, yeah, we got a Russian guy. And at that point, like. I mean, Maybe Bishop might show up. Yeah, like, and this was like years before Bishop didn't. Yeah, that's right. Bishop didn't come on the way. Right, and, yeah. and, and, and it was around this time, like, there was, I mean, Black Panther was a thing, but yeah. he wasn't in any of the comics. They were really pushing back for Black Panther in yeah, the 90s, yeah. And, and, and yeah. Who Cage was a thing. I'll be real. Most people didn't know about Black Panther to the fucking movie. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, like, right. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, like, around yeah. this time, and then you had, like, Captain Marvel, like, the, the like, you had Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel that you yeah. see in the movie, but the, the woman that was Captain Marvel, Marvel before her was mm. Black Woman, and she led the Avengers and stuff, and mm. she, she was at the front, at the forefront at that time for a little bit, and then fell off. Yeah. So, there's, there, there was nothing that represented us as people of color for a, a while until Milestone came mm. And you had Blood Syndicate and Hardware and, and, and Static and everything. And it was uh, uh, fantastic to see all of these brilliant characters of color from, from these creators of color, man. And the funny story is that they came out around the same time as Image. Yeah. So they were like mm -hmm. the direct rivals to them. Like they yeah. were the rebels in the company yeah. as the people of color creating this stable of, of characters that were people of color around the same time as Image. And these guys broke off because they were tired of the same old thing and they wanted to, you know, make an impact on the industry. 
and you have these two stables, two different stables of, of, of artists that came out with the same agenda, but you know, with, with, as, as far as as uh, the the representation and everything, yeah, everything that Milestone did was just it it couldn't be wrong. You know, it was at a time where the industry really needed that representation. And they just changed the entire narrative of comics in, in that, you know, particular era, because this is like early 90s. And like from that point, there were so many characters of color popping up. And I was just like, I'm loving it. Cause Spawn came along after yeah. that. And, and you had... Um, Do get lost in the costume and the imagery and stuff. And they, they completely forgot the Spawn was black guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and so it was... And that was, that was a relatively revolutionary at the time. Yeah, Like, yeah. nobody thought to do that. Yeah, yeah so, so... And the, the, the fact that it was handled was like an afterthought. Right. It, it was, was like, oh, by the way, he's black. You know, right, like, yeah. It wasn't like a thing. Like It yeah. wasn't like, you know, political. It was just like, oh... Right. Like, like the, we don't have black people in comics. Maybe right, we should have right. them. Yeah, so yeah. The, the emphasis with, with Spawn yeah. was that, on the fact that he was black. It yeah. was just like, you know, he's, you know... This, this this soldier that was you know fighting mm -hmm. and heaven and hell and all this stuff but yeah but with, with but to answer your question those things were huge influences on jet boy and the idea of having a jet boy and it was for those reasons that it was very important for me to do this character and and have that sense of representation for kids that read, read comics because like kids like myself at that time you like to have that escape when you read comics to see characters that look like you you know that yeah. you know that you can actually relate to yeah. you know so the whole idea of having or creating uh, a comic for kids of color and see themselves in and see themselves represented in this hero in this fashion, especially given the climate that we're in right now. Yeah, to, to see a hero that looks like you as a child of color is very important. And if it weren't for people like Blink Duffy and, and all those guys that came along and gave us these very rich characters like Static, um, there would be no Jet Boy right now. And I was very fortunate to be living in a time where this very revolutionary thing or revolutionary event in comics came about. So that was a, a very strong influence on what Jet Boy has become now and why it was very important to give Jet Boy to the world at this particular point in time, yeah. in particular, yeah. I mean, during that time, we had Bill Cosby, we yeah. had Eddie Murphy, and we yeah. had like so many faces within the realm of entertainment that were people of color. Yeah. So we had our heroes, mm. and we saw ourselves represented in these uh, realms, and that's what we attached ourselves to. Mm. You know, I know I did. I know that my family did, and you know, because we we were huge fans of all of these people and all of like, you know, growing up on Rich Pryor and growing up on Red Fox and growing up on Moms Maybelline and, mm. and Pig Meat Markham and, you know. Every, Here's my ignorance, I have no idea what's <laughs> They're comedians. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the like old Chitlin Circuit comedians and, mm. and that would, you know, do albums on vinyl, yeah, albums, right. stand up yeah. albums and everything. Yeah. Rich Pryor, of course. Yeah. And, and so we, we, you know, we, we, we cling to those entertainers because they look like us and they talk about subject matter that relates to us so much. 
But when it came to the realm of comics, it was just like, that's where I think I felt the most like, can we get something mm. at that particular point in time? Because yeah. I mean, it's just like every, every hero that was coming out between uh, late 80s and like maybe the early 1990s where everything started popping for us in comics is, it, it was the, the chiseled chin white dude that came through to save the day. And there was nobody that looked like any of us or any of my friends who were reading the comics alongside me. And that was always a topic of conversation between us. And to have something like Milestone and and, and such come about for uh, children of that era, because I think these were, I mean, even with the characters I mentioned before, like the Luke Cage and the, and the Black Panther, and I mean, they were there, but they weren't used you know, or utilized or, or treated in the same capacity as their, their white counterparts. And to have something that was specifically for us at that particular point in time, was very important to have. And it, it really was a huge influence. And it was that time where we were saying things like, well, when can we have ours? And then they were just like, hey, guess what? You know, so Here's good times. Yeah, yeah. 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 So and that are all good times. I used to watch yeah, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> love good times. <laughs> and I, I know we even I talked about. I effing love the Cosby Show. No, oh, yeah. So yeah. much. You're yeah. one of the few people I know who know the Cosby Show as well as I do. It's so yeah. much to the point where you're sitting here now yeah. in modern times, like, why did he have to fuck up? Man? I mean, my argument to that is honestly, if I stopped loving mm-hmm. everybody I loved who created art because of like I didn't like the person, yeah. I wouldn't have anybody left to play. Them radio show right right. like I mean yeah Bill Cosby is a monster but Cliff Huxtable never hurt anybody right that's my theory and that's the argument right that that goes on like how do you separate the art from the artist I'll do it all day I don't care everybody says I know everybody can't do that I understand that but I can't yeah it's it's one of those yeah we'll be here all night talking about that yeah but yeah We started off, I did a comic in 2004 called Jet Boy did a run of it in a buddy's comic anthology didn't really touch the property anymore for a while um, until I ran into my my current uh, agent investor slash life guru um, or career guru, uh, Mustafa Saeed. Right before him, that's when I met Mike who on MySpace who was like, yeah, I, I met a whole bunch of artists and he was like, yeah, this is, that Jet Boy thing you're doing looks kind of like what we do. I'm just like, well, what do you do? He's just like, well, you, you guys heard of the gorillas over there? And I was just like, we've been friends for like three months and you didn't tell me that you were working on the gorillas animation? <laughs> so that's how he and I met. We And he was like, we need to turn this into a cartoon, blah, blah, blah. So we've been working on it ever since. Um, that's when we, uh, well, I came across uh, Mustafa in, uh, 20 uh well 07 actually and he was one of the first people to want to put it on um is he is he in the industry or was he at that point or yeah yeah how, how'd you meet him like at a yeah, con or something yeah at a con at a oh, mega okay. con in gotcha. orlando florida he gotcha. came by and he looked in my portfolio and saw jet boy throwing a peace sign mm. it was like tell me about this character and mm. that's what i laid it out for i was doing lion's den at the time i was there mm. promoting lion's den Lastly, if you guys are not uh, not familiar, is a local Columbia-based mm-hmm. group, it was sort of like this collective, I guess you could say, of like comics creators at the time. Yeah, which this would have been late.
late nineties, early two thousands. Is that right, or am I getting that right? Or? Maybe, yeah, about late late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, and it was a chat. It was chatting that, or oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I I, I know they did the uh, the eight oh three. Yeah, and, and I kind of came into the mix yeah. like, well, I was there from the beginning. Like, I did like a, a, a pinup for issue one, and then later on, I actually joined the studio towards the end. That was around the time that everything was popping, like, when, when Lions then started popping. So I was like all over the place trying yeah. to get like a, a grasp on everything and not yeah. try to take, you know, my time there kind of gave me a lesson in taking on too much and learning how to kind of space my projects instead of trying to take on so much to where, you know, it kind of hinders your delivery and stuff. So I didn't move to Columbia until like 96. I didn't work at Heroes and Dragons until right. early 2000s. So yeah. it was like well after the fact. Yeah. They were, they, even then they were keeping AO3 on the, like the new releases racks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they were really wanting to push it. And it was going pretty well, man. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, yeah. like Stephen Prowse, Chuck Brown, like, oh, Dude, look, Chuck Brown. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Chuck, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. And like Sanford? Yeah, Chuck and Sanford. Like, yeah, we, all, yeah, yeah. we all went to college together, so we're... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're, so yeah. We're, we're, we're so tight, man. Yeah, so, so like Steve Epting and all that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Steve Epting, man, is like the, the, the Superman. Yeah. Like, <laughs> See, you guys don't know. Like, Columbia has got breakout talent. Yeah. I'm sitting across from her right now. But Columbia has got breakout talent that you guys don't even know about. Right. Like, South Carolina in general. Right. Like, have you ever seen a Saw movie? Oh, yeah. Do you like Amanda from the Saw movies? <laughs> right, right. She's from Orangeburg, by yes, the way. Yes. Chris Rock. There's yeah. a funny Chris Rock story, too, about, yeah. about him being in, in Columbia. Yeah, I'll make, yeah. I'll make that brief. I, I worked yeah, at yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Winsong Theaters on Forest Drive. Winsong. Yeah, I, I was working there in the late 90s. <laughs> you had me at Winsong and Forest Drive. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I worked there while I was in college. Well, between high school yeah. and college. Wow. Probably bought tickets from you. <laughs> this is about '97 or so. Yeah, yeah, Emery, yeah. shout out to Emery. Yeah. Like em Emery hit me up and was like, "Man, you missed it." I was like, "Well, what happened?" This is like on the night I was off. He was like, "Chris Rock just came in here." Oh shit. Yeah. I think yeah. He, he bought tickets for The Little Mermaid because they, <laughs> they, they had the re-release of The Little Mermaid at the time, and and I think he, he did that to throw everybody off. <laughs> <laughs> he did that to throw people off. He went to see Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. But he bought tickets for The Little Mermaid, and I guess he did that to keep people from bothering him. Because they would, they would, like, if they knew that he was in there, like, oh, we're going to go in here and see if we can get his autograph. Oh, shit, he's not in here. What? So, yeah, so... So yeah, so he calls me up and was yeah. like, man, this happened. It happened on my day off, so I wasn't really there. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, oh man, I was so pissed because he just came in. Like, he was doing a show here in Columbia. Yeah. But yeah, but um, yeah, but the the to to wrap up the story of, of what happened between uh, Jet Boy and that time frame, mm -hmm. we had just been working years and years, and like we were almost at BET one year. As a matter of fact, really? The, yeah, the, the year that yeah. we were working in DMC when I yeah. went to San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. I went out there. I took the 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 press kit that you know that was put together and um, put it down. Dropped it in front of a guy named Evan Burst who was developing an animated uh, series block for 
BET at that time, and uh, Evan Burst, I dropped in front of him. Evan said, uh, I don't know what this is you dropped in front of me, but I was sold on the image, and it was the image yeah. of Jet Boy throwing a peace sign in front. Yeah. So we were almost there, man. That's and, like issue one, right? Yeah, well, actually, the, yeah, because yeah, that was the cover for yeah. issue one, but it was on the press yeah. kit. When so, you, but yeah, he, 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 um, yeah, so he was sold on it. We were almost there. Reggie Hudlin ended up leaving BET, so there was no animation block. So we were back to square one. And flash forward years later, um, me and uh, Mustafa reconnected. He's just like, yeah, man, if you, if, you know, I see that you're serious, you're still making it, man. And, you know, I got your back. So I was just like, all right, cool. Mike was still with me at the time. So we all came together. He knew some folks that knew some folks that knew some folks at like Netflix, Paramount, all, you name it. So we were just like, okay, we have this agenda. We're going for this angle. And then just recently I linked up with a gentleman by the name of J.D. Lawrence. And um, we developed a production studio that we're, um, you know, targeting um, creators of color, animators of color, and bringing them together under this uh, production house. Um, and we were pushing uh, his project, uh, which was uh, social distancing and uh, Jet Boy. So we're um, now we're, you know, at Netflix and, you know, getting everything situated and everything mm -hmm. and, and they're just, you know, chomping at the bit to see some stuff that's that amazing. we're working on right yeah, now. That's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, we're... It's been a trip, yeah. Yeah, so... Because, I mean, Court, if you guys don't, Court and I have known each other for... Uh, I went to work there at 08, I Yeah. Seven-ish, I don't know when you were, yeah, you, were there, it, you were there before me, so... Uh, yeah, because I, I was there yeah. in 06, yeah. toward the end of 06. Maybe it was around then, yeah. Yeah, and, and you came, yeah, so it had to be about 07, I think, when you came yeah. in. Matter of fact, I think you came in around that time, yeah, because I, I remember it was 08 when I went out and took that to San Diego, mm. to Comic-Con. Yeah, remember like, you and I were sat in the back. Yeah. And, like, there was kind of, like, nothing going on, so we had some free time. Yeah. And we were sat there, and I remember the specific conversation mm. where this dude that I just work with was telling me, oh, yeah, I got this character named Jet Boy, here's some stuff. Yeah. I just invented this guy, and, like, I want to make this into a comic book or whatever, yes. making this to a comic mm -hmm. and I'm like oh wow this guy's like mm -hmm. well, well the artwork's good and like this guy's making moves and everything yeah this guy's pretty cool I was gonna say this to the end but I guess now is a good enough time I honestly can't emphasize how much of an actual inspiration you are thank you like I'm dead serious like I'm not kidding this isn't the whiskey talking <laughs> this is uh, if I'm sat there I'm taking two classes right now through USC oh, I'm out of work so I got some free time unfortunately right. but uh, if I sit there you know I want to watch some more Sopranos clips or whatever <laughs> uh, because Sopranos is one of my favorite shows of all time mm. or I could do what Corey Davis would do and actually get off my ass and uh, you know get the work done and make something out of my career so what you're saying is I'm the, the Lou Gossett to your rich yeah. gear. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like, why am I draw not drawing more? Right. It's like, what would Corey do? Yeah. Would he sit around and bitch about it or watch Sopranos again or would he draw it? Okay, well then pick up the fucking pencil. I'll do it while I'm watching this, friend. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> hey, cheese fuck! I'm <laughs> 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 sticking provolone in my socks! <laughs>
<laughs> oh god oh okay. god phil just sat there in the closet being a metaphor right waiting for Vito to show up yes. <laughs> you're a disgrace remember that <laughs> how much is like okay okay i'm just gonna say silvio is my favorite character of all time Silvio's awesome <laughs> i love Silvio. my line of business i'm around a lot of women that one ain't getting late Dude. <laughs> <laughs> One day you came in, you're puking, your hair was in the toilet water. Yes. Disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of it. My old mother now, you fucking hell what? Fran has taught me how to pronounce the word whore. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought it was whore, but it's whoa. <laughs> Daddy's little whoa. <laughs> a, she was a whoa. <laughs> oh man. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> she was a whoa. <laughs> oh god, I love it so much. <laughs> yes, that show was amazing. It's my second favorite show of all. Number one's uh, Seinfeld. Always gonna be Seinfeld. Oh yeah, my my number yeah. my number one was was all like a toss up between Lost and um. Oh Jesus! Sanford and Son. Whiskey all over the goddamn phone. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like a napkin or whatever. Um yeah, actually. Yeah. Honestly, there's like whiskey on the phone. <laughs> Like, there's drops of whiskey all over the fucking... The recording app on the say, phone. There yeah. isn't, it, it's not a rock-bottom yeah. interview until there's whiskey spilled all over your phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>